Hello and welcome to the Hope Station. This is Diane Bells. I'm your host. And today I have a guest, Carol Ann Taylor. She's going to be talking about marriage and she's going to be talking about it from a wifely perspective. So I did have the pleasure of meeting Carol and I also had the pleasure of meeting her, her adorable husband, Sterling. So she's just going to talk about her her whole journey of becoming a wife because Carol started this wifely journey at um, an older age, right? I was 47 when I got married. I had just told my mother, is it okay if I don't get married? I asked, asked the question, if, if I don't get married. And she said, sure, you don't have to get married. And then I had coffee. Well, it was supposed to be coffee, but we decided to go to lunch. And I had lunch with a young, budding, I call him young, a budding musician. And, and that was Sterling. Okay, Sterling. So let's just go back a little bit. Uh, tell us a little bit about you and how you met a budding musician. Where were you that... <laughs> I was the organist at Cathedral Guadalupe in Dallas, and Sterling was a contractor, and he had a brass quintet group. And so there was a special occasion, and we happened to be, our, our uh, work, there was work going on, so we were down front instead of back in the loft, and there he was. And, and I knew of him. Uh, already because he's a fabulous composer, and so we had an initial introduction then. Okay. Your face just lights up. How long have you been, two been married? <laughs> we are. We have almost been married 10 years. Wow. And I can hardly believe it. It just seems like yesterday we got married. So uh, we're, we say we're on an ongoing honeymoon. That is so sweet. So you wrote a book about being a wife. Why, why that topic with all the topics that you could pick? Why did you decide that that's the one you were called to talk about? Well, in the process of writing a book, I had a young lady, I directed youth choirs, that was having a quinceanera, her 15th birthday. Okay. And on a Sunday night, I decided, hmm, I should do something for her. And then I thought, what can I do? Well, how about I write a book for her? <laughs> and then I thought, well, what do I call it? Oh, I can call it Think Like a Woman of God. And so in a couple of days, I had the book written, and I gave it a prototype to her on that Saturday. Now, what happened in the midst of that was there was a pivot that happened. I was going along thinking that, you know, I'm focusing this toward teenagers and maybe young college age, and then I got to the fruits of the Spirit. And I thought, what can I write about the fruits of the Spirit? And as I meditated on them, I thought, oh, my goodness, being a caregiver, being a wife to someone I'm giving care that I'm caring for is developing the fruits of the Spirit in me. Mm. Okay, for those who don't know the fruits of the Spirit, should we just go over this? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so the fruits of the Spirit include love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So the fruits of the Spirit, why did you feel that that was an important part for a wife to really have to be a godly wife? 
Well, first of all, starting with love, joy, and peace, that seems kind of easy, okay, in a way. And then you get to the long-suffering. And that one really hit me because being a caregiver, even being a wife, it calls us to have patience, especially if someone is not seeing things how we see it or <laughs> if there are needs that that need to be met. And we may not feel like we can feel those needs. <laughs> so, okay. and, and that can be a variety of things. And then, but the one that really hit me, I thought faithfulness for me, you know, I am, I am totally faithful to Sterling. I, I, that, that to me is, is a non-issue, but I got to gentleness and then self-control. The gentleness was, you know, I, I move him from place to place. He cannot do anything for himself. And so for me to be mindfully gentle, but also gentle in, in a way that, that he knows it's okay, that it's okay that I'm taking care of him, that it's okay to receive the care that I'm giving. Okay, so here is for our audience. They don't know Sterling. They don't know your story. And I was really surprised when I learned that you knew that you would be taking this caretaker's journey before you even married him. You stepped into that role as, you know, as an engaged woman, as a woman who said she never wanted to get married, and you decided to step into a, a marriage relationship that you knew that you would be a caregiver. So talk a little bit about Sterling and his journey. Sterling began tripping back in about 2002, 2003, and then difficulty standing up and all these things. And through a process, found out that he had a condition called inclusion body myositis. And it's basically where the muscles break down and they don't come back. And so you can imagine a marathoner, I, you know, all the running that I'm doing, uh, as of now, I've run over 50 marathons, actually 52 marathons, okay. and just signed up for my 53rd marathon. And I had a friend say, you need to mar you marry someone who can run marathons with you. And my response to that was, but Sterling is my love. He is my love. And I'm not marrying for perfect. I'm marrying for a love that I believe God has called me to. And, and a beautiful love. You can just see that. So what, when you married, you knew that he had this condition. How was he when you married him? And how has that disease progressed? He was still walking with a cane and could still take care of himself. And so when we finally decided, which, oh, I have to share this. Yeah. So um, I first asked him to marry me. And he said, no. And oh, my like, God. Oh, come on. And so then there was one day when I was visiting him and he was in the bathroom. And I happened to walk in. He was in front of the mirror doing something. And he turned to me and said, will you marry me? And I said, what? And he said, will you marry me? And I said, well, what changed? And he said, I just can't think of a reason for us not to be married. And I said, I'll take it. I'll take it. So what was he doubting before when he said no to you? I, I guess he just didn't feel like, you know, we, we 
he was committed to me. I was committed to him. And in his heart, we were already married. And so why do we have to have the stamp of the state, you know? And and I explained to him, well, it's not the stamp of the state that I want. I want to be married. I want it to be a sacrament. I want it to be a covenant between us and God. And that's the difference. Why did you persist within the relationship when he said no to your marriage proposal? My mother has a few descriptive terms for me, and one of them is tenacity. And and then another one is determination. I was determined because I knew in my heart that we needed to be married. Okay. And I just had to wait for him to come to the realization that we needed to be married. Well, how long were you dating before you proposed? Five months, maybe. But I knew right away. (laughs) I knew right away. And I'll tell you when I knew. We went on our second date. We were both working on composing something. And we went on our second date. And as we were talking, he put his hand on my arm. And I'm telling you, (laughs) that was like being struck by lightning for me. And I knew at that moment, I knew at that moment that I had to marry this man. I just knew it. That is awesome. I, and I love those kind of, because I, I, I am, I'm a sucker for romance. I'm a sucker for love. My husband asked me to marry him after three dates and we were married five months later. So, you know, th- that, that feeling of like, you just, you know, that, you know, and I remember, cause I'm young, I'm 18 at the time. And I went to see some friends from high school. We're still in high school and his sister, we were having a, a luncheon and, his, you know, at someone's house, there was probably 20 of us or so. And his sister was one of them because I met through his sister. And, you know, that they, they were asking how everything's going. And I said, well, I'm going to get married. And she goes, to who? I said, your brother. When did that happen? I said, well, he asked me to marry him. We're, we're waiting a little bit and, you know, asked to marry. And my, my best friend she said, she goes, whenever Diane says something, you can trust that it's it's the truth. I, I I just hear her voice. I know she knows, and I'm okay with it. And my mother said the same thing. Like, you know when you know. And my sister had told me, you know, she's older. And I said, well, how do you know when you're in love? And she said, I don't know how else to tell you, but you'll know when you know. And there, you know, some have a bolt of electricity, some have this peace, some have joy. They have something, you know, that they just know. But here's a a question. You've lived 47 years of independence, doing whatever Carol Ann wanted to do. She wanted to run. She went for run. And then you decide, I'm going to get married, and I'm going to get married to someone who I know that my independence is gone. Because now I have someone who's who will be dependent on me. How did you break through that? So was there any doubt? Like, I'm just excited to know. <laughs> I had no doubt about the marriage. I will tell you that early on when he was still able to move around, some of my things moved around without me moving them around. And that was kind of like, oh, you know, it's like, no, I don't don't touch my stuff, you know. So I was so used to not, uh, and I didn't have a sister. I don't have a sister. And so I'm used to my stuff being my stuff and don't bother my stuff. And so I had to learn with that, just kind of, okay, let it roll, let it roll. Uh, It's okay. 
But I, I, I tell you, it has been, it's been, in a way, there have been things that have been so easy. I guess you'd say no-brainers. Mm-hmm. And yet the 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 journey of him now being where he is has been progressive. And I think that that is something that we've been able to adjust to. And so I know I have a friend that her husband was in an accident and all of a sudden he couldn't do anything for himself. Right. And I think that's a jolt. And so I think it's been a fluid, I guess you would say it's been a marathon in itself. And, and there, there are things along in a marathon that happen and you adjust. And so I, it, to me, it really hasn't been that difficult. I will also say I did a lot of traveling up until 47, and I still continue to travel some. So I don't feel like I feel more freedom now than I did then. Freedom of love, of someone who completely loves me. And I wouldn't change that for anything. How did you just sit down? I, and <laughs> Maybe it is that you had that, what your mother said, the tenacity and that determination to just get hard things done and you did it. So what was that process of you wrote it quickly and then you wrote it to get it, to publish it? I had a laser focus mm-hmm. on having this for this young woman, Sarah, that I just adore. You know, I've I've known her her complete life. And so I was just passionate. And, and I am passionate about having scripture, memorizing scripture. It should flow through you. And just and and the the vision I have of it, it's flowing through you. And then when you speak, it's the breath of God coming out. Right. And so I had that focus and I got it done. Then as I kept praying and working with it, it really developed. And then I thought, oh my goodness, I'm not just writing this for the Sarahs in the world. I'm writing them for me and the caregivers in this world. I'm where I'm writing this for the wives who are caregivers. Okay. We women are naturally caregivers. Mm-hmm. If you're not caring for your house, your home, your children, your parents, there is someone you're caring for. And so that's when I thought that's why it's so important for us to have the scriptures and to think like a woman of God. And I do have some more coming out. The mindset of a woman of God, act like a woman of God. Um, so there's in the soul of a woman of God. So I have some more books that the God has placed on my heart to write, to share. And, and they're more about the journey that I need to go through as well. That's what I love about God. Everything that he's doing through us, he's also doing for us. And there's, there's a reason for it. So let's talk a little bit about the book. And you you wrote it on the spiritual gifts. And you said, you know, gentleness is one of the the tough ones for you. And I I get that. Uh, And I, I feel like they're patience and gentleness or somehow, you know, if you're patient, you can be gentle. And Joyce Myers had said one time that she looks at the gift of the spirit as bookends. You know, the, right. the, the love part comes, but then that self-control is their bookends. They're holding it all together. 
right? If you if you love someone and then you have to have self-control so you are gentle, so you are patient, so you can have joy and peace in, in that marriage. And, you know, the faithfulness, you know, faithfulness is about self-control. All of that is there. Uh, I just think it's a beautiful way to, to talk about marriage. If you had to give some insights, tips, call them what you want, to someone, like I have three of my uh, husband's um, two nieces and one nephew that's getting married this year. So for a new wife, which one would you pick up first to talk about? What's a tip you would give based on your book? It's important to be grounded in Scripture because how we think it has a direct influence of how we act. How we think also has a direct influence on what we speak. It's so important. I'll give you an example. Okay, great. Last night, I get a text from Sterling. He has to, he's in a different room because he has to sleep in a recliner. And he wakes me up at three o'clock in the morning. And so I walk in and I say, honey, what do you need? And he said, I just wanted to know you're there. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm here. And it's three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and I thought, oh, I said, well, what else do you need? And, and he, I, he, he said, well, that's all. And I'm thinking, oh, you've woken me up at three o'clock in the morning just to see if I'm there. But I tell you, I could have responded with, okay, come on, really? You're waking me up. Which in my mind, I was thinking, oh my goodness, he's waking me up early in the morning. But it was so important to respond because my heart melted when he said, I just wanted to know you're there. And so it's so important that to see through what your husband or your wife might be saying what message are they really trying to send that maybe they're not able to vocalize as much, but they need you to have a gentle response? Mm, that's beautiful. And, and it's so easy because that self-control and that other self, the selfishness, I know from myself, <laughs> just keep on using the word self as many times as I can. That it can, you, you're not seeing past it. You're not seeing past the moment. We're seeing, you know, we were awakened and we didn't want, you know, we could have been in a good sleep. You could have thought like, I have important things that I need to do today. And you went in a different path. It sounds like you wanted to make sure that Sterling knew that you loved him and that you were there for him. <laughs> that was the result that you wanted. Well, with this condition, He's not able to do anything for himself. I do everything for him. He cannot even move his hands. He can't move his arms, can't move his legs. So if they're going to be moved, I do it. And so, I mean, it's even massaging, just uh, movement. Uh, I massage his hands a lot because they're getting really rigid. And, and so it's about really seeing what the needs are and caring Caring enough to do, to take care of, of what is was actually right there. And I, I talk about, well, couples just don't understand what it is 
to appreciate, appreciate that, that you get help. I do everything. I do everything here. And so when you have your partner that is able, then you also have to have patience with them because they may have different priorities than you have. And so that's why you have to really communicate so that your priorities can line up and things can run smoothly. You have to spend time together. Well, absolutely. I, I talked about that. I, I wrote about that, you know, just having date nights, just, uh, setting aside time and that you're you're turning everything else off. And you're turning that relationship back on because it needs that constant, it needs that surge of energy. And that's, that's alone time. That's couple time. So I just want to, when I'm thinking about this as, you know, though we're, we're looking at someone to complete us, to fulfill us. And we're looking about us and, and that marriage. And you knew that Sterling was going to be on this journey. How? Has this relationship and you stepping into the role as both wife and caregiver, how is Carol Ann different because of it? What has God done in you and through you because of this act of love, the saying yes to love? I have such a gratitude for life. I treasure moments with friends and family way more. I just have a peace and a joy that that God has put me on this journey. And I can choose to be upset that, oh, my husband can't do anything. Or I can say, oh, look at all the things I get to do for him. And right now, when we go somewhere, I have I use a hoarder and a wheelchair and I hoarder him right in next right next to me. And he goes with me. Where almost everywhere I go, he can go because I can hoarder him. I'm a church organist and he goes and he can sit right behind me and he could be with me while I'm working. And it's just a beautiful thing. I just, I just love it. I love having him. In fact, you know, as we're going, um, the speed limit, which our speed limit can be 70 to 75 here. Um, I pick up the coffee and I can give him coffee going 75 miles an hour down the road because he's right next to me. And I wouldn't trade that for anything to have him right next to me. Oh my gosh. That, that is beautiful. That really is that we, that's the, that is true love. The other things are love because I love because it makes me feel good. Makes me feel better about myself. And you're saying I love because it feels good to to care for him, to serve him, to love him, to take care of him. And it's just a whole different way of loving. And I, I saw my mother-in-law do that with my father-in-law who had a stroke at 59. And that kind of love is, it's so appealing. And it feels like it's almost impossible. As you continue to talk, the joy, and it really turns the world upside down because the world's telling us something different about love than Carol Ann's telling us. Nah, it's love is what God has given you to share to the world. And you have your circumstances. I was just thinking I had the example of my mother taking care of my father 
And he really depended on her. Now, the, the challenge was with her, he was able to get up and walk around. And so she had to keep up with him. Um, and I don't have that challenge. And then we thought about it. My brother, both of my brothers were caring for someone. And the interesting thing now is I was just thinking about it. My father passed away in 2020. My sister-in-law passed away in 2020. And so their caregiving changed now. And we're still going. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> um, and so so I think we we look to others who are dealing with the challenges and we think, wow, how did they do it? And then you have a conversation with them and you realize that that they have the fruits of the spirit that they're living. They're living them. Right. And it's it's so it's just beautiful and it's my mind just keeps on going like oh my gosh this is such a beautiful story and it's and it's a love story and it's it's not a hallmark romance it's none of those it's stepping into something that you knew would be challenging from the start and you've embraced it with love where too often we go in there and we want to feel this love forever this this passion or this this feeling and not realizing what really stirs that feeling of love is giving the love we want it back we we want someone to love us and we're not saying well i i, I really want to love on someone else and i think that um i'm going to cry but when my husband died there was that void of me taking care of someone you know making him dinner making him his coffee he he had pain so he was struggling and I really miss caring for him. I do. And I didn't realize that that was part of it until we're having this conversation. That we, yeah. we keep on saying, if I receive, I'll feel good. And you're saying, I feel blessed and have a beautiful marriage because I'm giving. I'm not asking for anything. But his presence in return. And as you were saying that, you know, I, I think sometimes this, this is really, it's really difficult to care for someone. But then I think, oh my goodness, how can I complain about getting up in the middle of the night when I can go in there and I can, I can massage him, I can give him love and he's there. He's there. Yes. And he's ready. He's ready to love me at any moment. And so, um, you know, we've had we've had um, several bouts with pneumonia with him, and um, one one of the one of the things that come with inclusion body myositis is um, with with not being able to move around is respiratory infections. Right. So, I, I have a funny story I want to tell you. So when he was still walking, some. I was helping him to the bathroom. And so as I stood him up, his knee buckled and he, and he fell. Well, the only thing was he fell on me. And when I fell back, I fell on the toilet. So we're sitting here on the toilet together and I'm holding him and I can't let go of him (laughs) because then he'll fall. So we're thinking, okay, now 
So what do we do now? <laughs> the doors are locked. We have to call someone who has a key to get in to help us get out of this fix. <laughs> <laughs> and so we finally, so fortunately, he had his phone in his pocket and we were, you know, I was holding him with one hand trying to get to the pocket and it was just a, a hilarious thing. We just laugh about it. Um, but that's when we decided that, okay, we're taking that possibility of falling out of the equation now. And so, um, so back to the pneumonia, uh, we ended up in the hospital for a week. Mm. And I say we, because I'm not going to leave him at all. And, um, and he had pneumonia. And so I was right there with him and I asked the doctor, so what does it take to get us to get home? And he said, well, he has to be off of oxygen. I said, well, I've got oxygen at home. I can take, I can get him off of oxygen. What else? And he said, well, we need to get him through his antibiotics and you can take him home. So when I took him home, he was on five liters of oxygen. Wow. And that's a lot, but I was determined and in about a week and a half, I had him completely off oxygen. Um, fast forward, and we ended up in the hospital again, uh, let's see, in December. So that was, an, that was in August, and now this is December. And, um, and I, I figured out immediately he had an infection, figured out immediately he was being over-medicated. So I, I said that to the doctor. And then she said, um, well, he really needs to be here. And I said, no, he really needs to be at home because I have all the equipment at home. And so then that's when it dawned on me, I do have almost all the equipment we would need here at home. And the care and the things that I've learned. I did have a moment when I thought, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do? What am I going to do if I lose him? And I just about freaked out. I couldn't breathe. <laughs> it's like, maybe I need the oxygen. I couldn't breathe. And, and then I thought, you know, that, that means I need to treasure every moment. When he, makes, when he wakes me up in the middle of the night, so what? Mm -hmm. I have him. I can care for him. I'll find somewhere else to get a nap. And, and I also figured out, you know, I'm working to develop a business and, and be an entrepreneur. And, and, and I've pretty much been one, but I've also determined that he's number one. Right. And whatever I do has to flow. And I would say to any couple, when you have your profession, no matter what it is, it needs to have a flow with your relationship, because if your relationship starts suffering because of your career or whatever, I think that's an important red flag to figure out what is most important. And when you stand before God and you say, I'm going to take care of this person in sickness and in health mm -hmm. and the good and the bad, whatever, then that is your number one. That is your number one. Even when children come along, it's still your number one. That's absolutely true. It is. And it's so, you know, I could see my own challenges that I, I had a, a career that was very stressful and high powered. And it was like, oh, my gosh, it's like taking me away from what I, I want to do. I want to spend that time with my husband. And then you feel pulled and and torn it's like you're it's between two loves 
know, it's the love of your career or the love of whatever that other love is. And that love that you said that you committed yourself to, as you said before God, that I'm placing them first in, in this, in this life, you know, we place God first and then that the marriage, that, that foundation, but it's, you see that and we're, we feel like we're going to get through it. Like, oh, well, this is just for a season and we're going to place our kids first. We're going to place our careers first. And this is where so many marriages crumble is because they haven't spent the time building that we relationship, you and I relationship. And then when the world goes crazy, it, it doesn't survive the craziness. It doesn't survive the ups and downs because you haven't made that commitment and that commitment has to be made every day. You have to decide every day. I love Sterling every day. I'm committed to him every day. And again, it's that what we're saying to ourselves, you know, um, that's so important. And it's just when you look back, when I look back and saying, you know, would I change things? There were things I would change. And part of it was to say, I don't, this career, it'll, it'll come and it'll go. People will not, they'll not remember what I did there. But my my children and my husband will remember how I love them. That's there was, as you were speaking of that. I I remember in the fall of 2019 how I would come home. I I was working, 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 directing children's cars. Ah, uh, you know, just working, working, working. I and I had people that I had. There was someone that was working with Sterling. He has a, a music business. And and I felt so jealous of them because they got to spend the time with him. And I was off, you know, and 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 fulfilling what I I knew was my ministry too, directing children's choirs. And then the shutdown came in 2020. And the person that was helping him was no longer there. So I had to step into that. And then I was at home, and then I thought, wait, why would we pay, why do I want to pay someone else to come in and take care of him? Because they get the time with him, and I don't. I want the time with him. And I felt myself wanting to be very selfish in that. And now I see it's probably more selfless than selfish, because I wanted to spend the time caring for him. I want to spend the time having those moments with him, those memories. And now we're running the business together. And and it's just beautiful. And I am loving it. And I wouldn't change it for anything. And so what I would say to that is, and I've, I can't tell you how many people I've heard, I was chasing a career, not having the time with my family. And then I stopped and thought, wait, this isn't worth it. What's the most important thing? The most important thing, first and more important thing, is your relationship with God. Are you really getting the time with Him? Mm -hmm. No excuses. You got to have the time with God. And then immediately after that is if you're married, you need that time with your spouse. And it pains me when I hear, oh, I only like to spend a little time with him, uh, and that's good enough for me. And I'm thinking, what? Oh, my goodness. And, oh, I, I just, I, and, and, I, and I actually feel sorry for him because 
I love being with my husband and I'm with him almost 24 seven. And I do get some breaks, which I think are important because you know what? I come back and I appreciate him that much more. And so I, I say, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. We've, we've got to work on our priorities. Well, I, I hear people saying in their head, well, you, you don't know my, my husband. You don't know what he's like. You don't know. And, and I can hear it. And then I also have this other conversation in my head saying, well, did you pick him? <laughs> did you pick her? Did someone pick them for you? Like, did you get the run of the litter? Or, or were you able to make this choice and decision? And, you know, when we make that choice and decision, it's it's every day. It's a daily recommitment to that marriage. That marriage, I'm committed to you. I love you. I, I'm going to give you my best. And the times that I fall short are the times that I regret the most. Like, I, you know, not putting that that first and saying, gosh, I was so focused on this. I missed this opportunity in this moment. I thought that something was more important and nothing is more important. Nothing is more important. And to try to explain that to generations where it, it, it's almost feels like the, the love and that I'm going to say the romance, whether it's passion or something, has left. Well, I would also say, as, as you were talking through that, my mind went to, we can't come to a marriage saying, what's in it for me? What are you going to give to me? Your attitude is bad. You need to clean up your attitude when, look in the mirror, Okay. <laughs> We have to realize how much we affect how other people treat us. Absolutely. Okay. How If you have a gentle response, if you have a kind response, I've been really pursuing kindness. Kindness is not being nice. Kindness is, is just, it's, it's, it's a softness it's it's a genuine caring about how someone receives you how someone receives a situation um we have so many things that happen in our life and we need someone kind that is not going to try to say look what you did or you brought this on yourself or even try to give us an answer we just need someone to be there to say, I'm here. If you need to talk, I'm here. If you don't need to talk, I'm here. If you need a hug, I'm here. If you don't need to be touched, I'm here. So I just think it's so important in our relationships even, even if it's a friend-to-friend relationship, it's so important to really look at what you are bringing to the friendship. What does your friend need from you? Do they need an extra dose of care? And that kindness can make something melt in them that might have been hard. Kindness is a melter. <laughs> It really is. You know, you hear the term kill with kindness, but what you're not killing the person, what you're doing is that hardness 
They might have been mistreated and mm-hmm. they need they need the kindness to melt away, melt away the, the layers of hurt. You never know what someone else is feeling. For instance, I went to the grocery store. This I could tell this young woman was hurting. And I finally looked at her and I said, what's going on with you? <laughs> Didn't know her. What's going on with you? And she told me that her grandparents, 89 and 90, had COVID. And I said, oh, I'm so sorry to hear. And I know that's hard for you. And she wanted to get to him. And I said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll pray for you. And when I say I'll pray for you, I mean, I'll pray for you. And I just saw her melt like, wait, you care? You don't know me. And I, and I told her, I don't have to know you, but you're a child of God and I'm called to care for you. That is so sweet because if you look around, there are so many people that are hurting, that feel, I'll say, hopeless, that are in so much fear. They're in so much pain, and we have to step out. We have to step out and let them know that we do care, that we see them. They are seen. They are valued. They are important. And, yeah, it's a great um it's a great way to just show that we are, <laughs> we are who we say we are, right? We are who we say we are. Yeah. Well, and that's the importance, you know, getting back to uh, what I was writing in my book, Think Like a Woman of God. It's so important. Oh, interesting thing. I had a male friend of mine read it and he said, oh, I needed that. So it's just not for a woman. So our scriptures, the scriptures and being close to God is for all of us. Right. And that can help us be sensitive to when we need to minister. So that's, that just, that thought came through my mind just then. It, being zeroed in to God and what He's doing in our lives and being sensitive, that person you meet, And you know, I'll tell you another thing, driving in Dallas, when I see someone zipping in and zipping out, the first thing I want to do is say, oh, that, mm, I have a word for him, begins with an I, but I won't say it. Um, Oh, I have to say it. I want to say, you idiot. Then I think, oh my goodness, this person needs me to pray for him because they feel like they need to get somewhere so fast and no one else around them matters. I need to pray for that person. But then I think, oh my goodness, I remember when I I saw a text from my husband one time, I just got into a a class and I received a text, I can't breathe. And I thought, so I'm freaking out. It's like, oh no, I've got to get home. Well, I called a friend and I called another friend to get there. And then I called 911 to get the ambulance there. And I want to tell you what, when the ambulance pulled in, I was right behind him. So you were driving like an idiot. <laughs> I was driving like an idiot. And you know what? And I, oh, don't tell anybody. I ran a red light too. But you know, I saw the ambulance go through the red light and I thought, I think he's going to my house. Boom. Oh, and it was, it was a safe going. There was no one around. So right. I will have, but, but all that to say, you don't know mm-hmm. what's going on in someone's life. Are they rushing to the hospital? Are they rushing home? Are they rushing to a job that they might get fired from? 
Are they just in a car that goes fast and they feel the need to go fast? They still need to be prayed about. You still need to pray for them. Well, when you think of all the different reasons that they could do it, and for good reasons, and then there are the reasons to say they just need to feel like they're powerful, that they're that they have this power, or they're looking for excitement, or they're looking they're looking for something. They're all hurting people. They're we're all hurting people. We're hurting. Yeah, you know when you when you said that when you said the word power, that is something that I really focus on too with Sterling because he can't move his hands, he can't move his legs, but I want him to feel empowered. And so I have to work towards allowing him and, and making the opportunity for him to feel empowered and feel that he has some power. Well, what you said that you're in business together, so that's empowering that he's in there. What what part does he have and what part do you have in your business? He He's a, a contractor, and mm-hmm. so we contract uh, brass quintets, orchestras, string string groups. And so early on in our relationship, he would talk me through how he selected Uh, certain instrumentalists to work together and how the chemistry of that. So now I am basically, it's almost like we switched uh, switched places. I'm the main one and he supports, uh, he supports me and I'll turn to him and say, well, do you think this musician and this musician and this and this? And, and so in a way we've reversed roles and um, now he's written over 130 arrangements. And so we do work with people that, you know, are purchasing arrangements and might have some some different things. And, oh, my goodness, we had a commission come through, and it ended up to where I had to do most of the work. And And I'll tell you, and this was a prayer thing, he was kind of foggy and just couldn't really connect with the music. And I was just like, oh Lord, this is this is getting this is getting close. And this needs to be, this needs to sound more like him. It doesn't need to sound like me. And two weeks before it was due, he had a very clear mind and was able to say, no, 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 you need to do this and you need to do this and you need to do this. Change this to this, take that out. And it turned out to be a beautiful thing. <laughs> Collaboration is beautiful, right? To do that. So he, his his mind is basically sharp. He's able to talk and text. How was he doing that? All through voice control, or it's all by voice control. And and at at this point, um, some days are clear, and some days are not so clear. And um, and that is something that I work towards to help uh, stimulate. And actually, this is so exciting. We are now writing a book together, <laughs> and we're going to talk about our journey. So. And I think it's going to be a beautiful book because so far what you've shared with us has really been a beautiful journey, a journey of love, a journey of faith, a journey of joy and peace. And I think you've hit, you know, you're, the fruit of the spirit you, you can see, Carol, and it is alive and well in you. 
And that is just, it's such a beautiful lesson that you shared on, on love. And where can people find your book? My book is available on Amazon. You can get the Kindle or you can get the paperback. And, uh, oh, this is another thing. I was, I was so hoping to be a, a bestseller. And on my birthday, and it didn't happen. And I thought, okay. And so the next day I checked, no ribbon. And I kept going. And then I got to Friday of the week. My birthday was on a Monday, on Friday. And I was talking to a friend. And I said, you know, the most important thing is that people are blessed by this book, Think Like a Woman of God. That's the most important thing. I don't need to be a bestseller. It's okay, because God is going to use the book. And she said, oh, that's just a beautiful, a beautiful way to look at it and the surrender and just giving it to God. So we hung up. I walked over by the computer and I thought, well, let me just look one more time. And there was the ribbon, bestseller number one. I just couldn't believe it. I, I, I just cried. I just sat there and cried. And then I called my mother and I said, mama, can you believe it? So, um, so it's, it's very exciting. And with all that, I still give it to God because I want to be used. I want I want to bless other people. And it's so important to know that whatever situations you have, don't ask for it to be easy. Just ask for God to be with you and give you the strength. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up as wings as eagle. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. Isaiah 40, 31. And that is what I live by. One other thing I have been, I was hearing someone talk about, you know, we, we talk about when it gets easier. Well, things are not going to get easier. The way to look at it is this is difficult and you grow through it. And then the next thing that comes may be more difficult because you've been through the one thing. Now you have more strength to get through the next thing. And so just keep, keep building, keep thinking. It's not about getting easier. It's about renewing your strength. It's about being what God has called you to be. That is so absolutely true. It is. It's like when I look at all the challenging parts of my life, I can now reflect and saying God did more work in me through the challenges and the difficulties than he's ever done through the easy seasons. The easy seasons are almost like they're like um, dormant seasons, like nothing is growing or moving inside of me because I'm not being challenged to, to become who he created me to be, to really test myself to um, what are the possibilities? We limit ourselves. And, you know, when we realize that with God, we can be limitless because he's limitless. That's an amazing story. Well, I want to tell you that you have blessed me today uh, with this story of, of just love. And to hear that, that you just have so much to share. And I'm sure that all of your books are going to be wonderful. So as each one of them are published, I'd like you to come back on and talk about them, Caroline, because it's really been a pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you.